The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is with us from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. Or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Good morning, Don. It is great to see you in your little square. Hope all is well. <laughs> good morning, Scott. Yes, uh, everything is good here. I guess uh, most of the shoveling is done now. Yeah, really. So, <laughs> but uh, anyway, up and down with the temperatures. And, uh, and here today, we're pretty excited. We've got a special guest on today. Two Scots and, and a Don. Two Scots and a Don. Yeah, who would have thought it? But um, yeah, Scott Clues Hunt has uh, been our, our security specialist and really, from my standpoint, an extended part of our team. Uh, extremely important. Um, quite often when, when we see clients and they've uh, got a portfolio elsewhere, um, Scott will go through all the background work on saying, okay, what makes sense, what doesn't. We, look, and we, we also, there probably isn't uh, a week or two that goes by where we're not working with Scott on, on a client situation. So it's always nice to get, uh, you know, you, you're getting front and center here, Scott. I know it's radio. I don't get to see you, but you're going to get, uh, get to hear Scott and what he does a little bit. And, um, and then we're going to go on to, you know, what did the markets do? And, and, and there's so many areas in the market we'll get into a little later, but first of all, Scott, if you can just kind of introduce yourself here. Yeah, sure. Thanks very much. And, and thanks for, thanks for inviting me on the show today. Um, yeah, you know, I've been with IG uh, Wealth Management for just coming up to 10 years, and uh, Don and I have, have worked together for coming up to 10 years as well, which has been great. And, uh, you know, basically what I'm here to do is assist clients, and I'm an extension of Don's team. Um, I help a lot with, you know, third-party assets or, you know, different uh, securities from different institution, uh, individual stocks all of those types of uh, securities. And so sometimes clients, uh, you know, want more research done. Uh, they want me to investigate something. Um, other times it's a second opinion. So, you know, I may look at uh, a client statement from a different institution, evaluate all the different components that they have, give them an honest breakdown of what they've got. So, you know, take a look at the asset allocation, take a look at the individual stocks, the sector weightings, the interest rate risk, the, the bonds, all the different components that are inside that portfolio. And so basically it's a, it's a review um, to just educate the client more on what they have. Yeah, and quite often it's interesting. Um, some, 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 sometimes clients have done a great job and uh, they've had some great advice. And uh, Scott will say, you know what, this is a very good portfolio, well-balanced, maybe a little bit aggressive here, a little too conservative here. But, and so sometimes it's like, yeah, you know what, this is probably an A um, out of an A, you know, pretty darn good. A plus is almost hard to get anywhere. But uh, other times it's like dog's breakfast. They, you see everything. You see, like, why do they have everything in tech US and they think they're being conservative. It's not even close to their comfort zone. And it's a, it's a huge eye opening for, you know, for us when we see something like this, because the clients are asking for one thing saying, okay, we want to be, we're a moderate client in terms of risk level. And yet we see their portfolio and it's not even close. And you, maybe you can relate to some of this, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I recall, you know, maybe five years ago, um, you know, we used to see a lot of the third party portfolios that would come in and a lot of them were, you know, 
cons considerably overweight Canadian equity, for example, right? Like a lot of the portfolios that we would see could easily be, you know, 75% in Canadian equity. Um, and I think that that's changed a little bit because of the returns that we've seen in the markets in the last few years, um, where, you know, some of the other institutions have been chasing the US as well, because that's where, you know, good returns have been. But um, yeah, we certainly see things that are offside or, you know, mining stocks is another one, Don, or, you know, energy stocks where we've seen portfolios, you know, significantly over concentrated in those areas. And, you know, sometimes they're very cyclical and, you know, they can go through periods where, you know, they can have two, three really poor years and, you know, they can really feel the volatility in that portfolio. And sometimes, well, a lot of times, you know, they're not prepared for that, right? Oh, absolutely. They're always looking on the upside of potential growth. And yet sometimes, you know, um, the higher risk means higher downside too, potentially. That's what volatility is all about, is how much things can go up and how much things can go down. And you know what? One of the ones that is almost like, okay, you know somebody's been doing something wrong is when you see their tax-free savings account and they've maximized it every year. And you know, up till last year was 75.5 was the limit. It's gone up another six. So it's now 81,500 is the lifetime limit. And you look at it, it says, how come this tax-free savings account, they've only got like $15,000 in it. And yet they told you that it was maximized out. And you look at the fund and it says, or where it's invested, it says, well, this is really safe. So I don't know how it could have done poorly. And then you find the history. It's uncovering the history. And usually it's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff that went on before it got to this safe fund. It was in energy funds. It was in marijuana stocks. It was in something. And they were trying to guess the market and, and sometimes got some very bad, bad uh, advice. And, and so, and, yes, Scott. And how many times uh, is this due to people have things sporadically placed everywhere with various institutions, or even it isn't monitored on an ongoing basis to see that one side isn't balancing out the other? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, you know what? When we're when you have it all over the place, it makes it very difficult for any advisor, regardless where it is, to say, "Okay, I'm going to create a balanced portfolio," but. It's hard if you don't know what's going on across the street in a different institution or what another advisor is doing. And, and then you also end up with a competing situation where the client says, well, I'll put half with you and half with, say, RBC. Uh, I never do that because it's like you're trying to compete. Okay, whoever does better. So if we guess right in the next year or two or three in a short-term period, you're going to say, okay, well, I want my money with that person. It is a losing proposition. There's no way you can win that bet because now you got people that want to be more aggressive with your portfolio in order to hopefully get a higher return. And I don't know, I think that some people in the public think that we know what's going to happen. We have, we, we have this crystal ball and we know that, you know, two years ago, it was the information stocks or like Peloton or the stay-at-home stocks, and they were going to do the best. And then last year, we knew that a different sector, like nobody knows this stuff. It's all about diversifying. And actually, if anything, after today's presentation that Scott's going to go through, if anything, the listeners can come away with this, and I really hope they will, is I hope they come away with, okay, we need a financial plan. Mm -hmm. We need an investment plan that matches their goals, because if this is not an easy job. And Scott is going to look through all this and say, okay, look what's gone on, say 2020. Looks what we're going to go back and what happened in 2021. 
And nobody has a crystal ball. What the heck is going to happen in 2022? It's been fairly volatile so far this year. And we're going to touch on, you know, what's been going on a little bit here. But, you know, at the end of the day, to look at one-year performance, it, you just can't do that. You have to look at the long-term trends. And the best investors in the world, the, you know, the Berkshires, uh, Warren Buffett, you know, Franklin Templeton in the past and all these, they always talked about diversifying and never having a crystal ball yet. There still seems to be a few people out there that feel that they know what they should be investing in. And quite often we end up getting them later on in their career because they've already made too many mistakes. But uh, anyhow, uh, 2020, let's just start with 2020 a little bit, Scott. Um, You know, it was an interesting year in 2020. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting that tomorrow um, is the two-year anniversary of the first confirmed COVID case uh, from Ah. transmission from human to human. So, Mm. you know, it's been a, it's been a challenging two years, you know, on, on many fronts, obviously. And uh, you know, that impact on, on stocks or on the market has obviously had a major impact. Um, 2020 was, you know, a very volatile year in global stock markets. Um, Probably the, you know, the, the most volatile year we've had, you know, since, you know, 2008, 2009, the uh, Toronto Stock Exchange Composite fell 37% during February, March. Um, You know, I think at that point, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty, right? Like, we didn't know when a vaccine would become available. You know, there, there was some people were saying, you know, it might take two, three years to create a vaccine. We had no idea at that point um, where we were, you know, or, and so that uncertainty definitely weighed on the markets. But, you know, the crazy thing is, is, you know, as more clarity became available, um, stocks rebounded substantially. And it was a, it was a V-shaped recovery. In a very short period of time, the market quickly gained back. And by the end of the year, the end of the calendar year, the TSX was actually up 2%. So I think and, the, that, and the US market was up uh, substantially more than that. It, yeah. And so, you know, like in comparison, like it took two years for the S&P 500 to recover after the markets fell in 2008, 2009. And in mm-hmm. this case, right, Don, if you remember, you know, like despite all that volatility and I don't think we got nearly the same amount of client calls, like worried or panicking about the market, like we did in 2008, 2009, because honestly, by the time year end statements came out for clients, um, they were actually positive. Yeah. And that, that, that certainly helps when they don't see things down and they do look at the December 30 statement statements as a bit of a judge. And you know what, it was going up in 2020 when it, once the rebound started in spite of all the bad news too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I know today's sessions more about 2021 and, um, you know, really 2021 was like a year of rebound and recovery. And, you know, that was led by, you know, the distribution of vaccines, um, some easing of lockdowns, although, you know, obviously here in Ontario, we're, we're currently in one again, but, you know, the federal's, the federal reserve had a very accommodative monetary policy, um, which certainly helped. And, you know, during 2021, the S&P, the S&P 500 gained 26.9% for the year. Wow. The, the, the TSX Composite gained 217 and and the NASDAQ was up 21%. Well, 
We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Scott Clues Hunt. You can find out more at donfox.net or call at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Scott Clues Hunt. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Now, obviously, Don, we've talked about this for years, but uh, beginning of the year, good time to get all your ducks in a row and kind of monitor what's going on. So what should we be mindful of as we're coming out of January and moving in through the winter? Well, first of all, Scott, most people are getting their statements about now. Yeah, and it's the always, bills are it's, coming in. Exactly. <laughs> the bills and also their investment statements saying, okay, yep. how did I do last year? And it's going to be interesting. And Scott Clues Hunt's going to be going through uh, some of these, you know, what, what did well, what didn't do well, and what surprisingly didn't do well, which we'll get to. And so when you see your returns at the end of the year, you're going to say, okay, this is going to add some clarity. We're going to make this an annual event because you know what? Financial planning does involve investment planning. It also involves tax planning, estate planning, insurance planning, cash flow. We go through this every week, but this is, it's always good at the end of the day. Okay. We do need performance in order to accomplish our financial goals and diversification is extremely important. So Scott's going to go through what happened in 2021. It may be a bit of the why's. And, uh, and, and see, okay, and this will hopefully, when you look at your statement, based on your allocation, it will say, okay, well, that's why my return was this much. Yeah, you know, we were, we were just talking about the returns before commercial there. And, uh, you know, basically what we were reiterating was that, you know, the North American equity markets did over 20%, you know, during 2021. And, and you know what, this was despite a lot of bad news uh, constantly being thrown at us. You know, there was a contested presidential election. There was an assault on the Capitol. Jeez, yeah. There was supply chain disruptions, uh, labor shortages, obviously the global COVID-19 pandemic, Delta and Omicron variants, and historically high inflation. So despite all of that, um, the markets were persistent. And um, it, it kind of goes with that. The market goes up a wall of worry kind of thing. And yeah. there's a lot of worry. There's a lots of stuff going on last year and it still had a great year. Absolutely. And, you know, it, yeah, I've got a I'll share a I'll share a supply chain story, disruption story with you, because that was a big uh, conversation, you know, during the year. And, uh, you know, during the summertime, uh, when COVID was a little bit lower and it was a, a bit better, I decided to plan a family vacation within Canada. And so we decided to travel to PEI Nova Scotia and uh, I went to go and book a flight. And so, you know, you always start with the flight and then you get the rental car and then you go from there. Right. And so I, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll call, um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll call air miles first and see if I can use some air miles. Right. So I'm, I'm going and I'm booking my flight and uh, I'm like, Oh, I'll fly into Nova Scotia and then we'll just take a ferry over to PEI. And, um, and I was just about to book the flight. And then I said to him, Oh, can I also get rental cars? Well, 
uh, through air miles as well. And he's like, oh, let me just take a look on the system. And then he says to me, uh, there's no rental cars available. And I was like, oh, like, like you only have a limited supply and then you can only give, (laughs) you you can't, I can't get it with air miles, but I can pay for a rental car. He's like, no, there's, there's no available rental cars from the airport available for the dates you're looking at. And I was kind of in shock, like, how can there not be rental cars? Right. So I ended the call with him and I started investigating it. And then I, uh, I'm doing like a kayak search, you know, where you can Google and look for different suppliers for cars. And I couldn't find one for, for, uh, for Halifax. And so I started looking into it in PEI and to make a long story short, it took me eight hours consistently calling different places and, and, and leaving messages and, and talking to different people. And I was finally able to get a rental car after eight hours of calling I think I called at least 14, 15 different places just to try and get a rental car. And so this was all due to, you know, chip shortages, right? And um, so what had happened is in the Maritimes, they had sold off their fleet during the early days of COVID. And, um, you know, they, their plan was to restock their with newer vehicles. Um, but then they were all delayed because of the chip shortage. So you think wow. about that. So here's I am. I'm, I'm trying to spend money. I'm trying to book a flight. I'm trying to get a car rental. Um, and think about the hotels and, and the restaurants in the Maritimes that people weren't going because how, how do you get around if you don't have a vehicle when you're out there, right? It's just, it's not a feasible trip to do, right? And so, it's, yeah. At the end of the day, the whole supply chain is a domino effect. It, you know, it's amazing yeah. how far it reaches and the little guys at the end, the Uber drivers, because they're nobody's at the hotels, you know, it, it, everybody gets affected from the supply chain. Um, but that being in spite of that, uh, market still could, did quite well. And, and shockingly, um, like I, I know I, I talked to the person I cycle a fair, but I'll go to my bicycle store and they have hooks. They don't even have bicycles. They sold mm-hmm. all their bicycles. They're just mm-hmm. waiting for new ones. Yeah. So it's affecting everywhere. And there, you know, there's some volatility in the stock market, but at the end of the day, the market still went up last year in 2021. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting how it all started with toilet paper at the very beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. <laughs> then once we realized that didn't really matter, look how it over two years, look how it's affected the supply chain. It's amazing to see. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. whether it was like, whether you were trying to renovate something in your house, buy a car, yeah. Yeah. build a veggie garden, make yeah. an ice rink in your backyard, like these are all the COVID things that everybody was trying to do, right? But you know what, despite that, and, you know, even with higher prices and supply chain delays, you know, there, there was just exuberant consumer spending. And ultimately, that that bolstered the corporate profits and, and pushed stocks higher. You know, you know, it, it's sad. There's, you know, I know there's a lot of people that have been affected by COVID, you know, maybe, um, you know, you work in, um, you know, restaurants or you're a restaurant owner. I mean, there's certainly areas of, of the market where, you know, people have, have had a very difficult time during COVID, but for others, you know, some of them have been working from home and still, you know, making what they made the year before. And, they just don't have, it was, it was hard to spend money, right? They've, they're actually saving money because they're out less. And so, you know, they're, they were looking to spend, right? And I think that's what we saw in 2021 during that recovery is people were out and people were spending. And as a result, that's pushing things. And so, you know, we are seeing inflation. 
um, you know, inflation in the U.S. has jumped up to almost 7%. Um, actually, today it was announced uh, that the Canada's annual inflation number for December was 4.8%, which is wow. the highest level since 1991. So, wow. yeah. And that usually... Now- is there inflation, uh, sorry, interest rates are usually coupled with that, is it not? Absolutely. And I think what we're expecting to see, and, you know, I think it's already being priced into the market, Don, is we are expecting higher rates coming soon. Yeah. So so what happens? I mean, obviously, we've heard about the supply chain issue for, for a while now. And I joked it started with toilet paper. And now here we are two years into this pandemic. But many have talked about a glut that you know, once this thing breaks through, that there's going to be a flood. Is that just uh, speculation? Or um, are you anticipating that six months, a year, will we still have these problems? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, in terms of the inflation, I think, you know, a couple of months ago, everyone was trying to decide whether this was transitory, like this was just going to be a transition or whether inflation was here to stay. I, I think it's fair to say based on what we've seen recently, um, is that inflation appears to be staying, um, and and then that something needs to happen. So I think what we will see is uh, higher rates and, uh, we're certainly anticipating that. And I think it's, it's, it's beyond just transitory that, um, you know, money it's been, money's been very accommodating. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and we're seeing it right. We're everybody's seeing the inflation. I mean, every time I go to the grocery store, my wife and I joke about how much we spent at the grocery store this week, because it's been, it's been very noticeable over the last year and a half. And inflation is one thing when they say it's 5%, but that's kind of a general basket of goods too. And, um, you know, I know everybody's basket of goods is different. And I literally had a client document all their goods that they normally buy and their personal inflation rate was over 11%. Mm. And so it, it is interesting. I know like gas prices are way up and food's way up. So, um, you know, if those are your two biggest areas that you spend money on, then your personal inflation rate would be higher than say, if it was something else. So extremely important to have investments that perform better than inflation, which is never fixed income, fixed income, things that pay interest, such as bonds, never outperform inflation in the long run, or if they do very little, and then often you have to pay income tax on that, on that interest. And you end up with a, a lower than inflation rate, but looking at, the fixed income area in 2021. How does that make out, Scott? Yeah, yeah, great question. Well, I'll, maybe I'll I'll jump to that in the second part. The first part is that really 2021 will go down as a year where high risk, high reward was rewarded. Ah. And so, um, you know, what we saw was, you know, we saw a rise in inflation, but we saw a rise in commodities, cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, very high demands for fuels, raw materials for the clean, you know, the clean energy transition that we're going through. Um, so certainly those that took on more risk, um, certainly in 2021, likely benefited from that. Um, and we'll, we'll go, we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper here later in the, in, in the session and talk about some of the different asset classes and how they performed. But, um, you know, certainly that was front and center. So, in, I mean, in terms of invest, uh, the safer side of the investment, 
you know, bond fund investors, you know, they're probably going to be shocked, Don, when they see their, their statements at the end of the year, you know, they're going to see losses on their 2021 statements in terms of fixed income. Um, wow. So, so you're saying those clients that are thinking they're being extremely safe actually lost money. And the yeah. ones that were throwing it out there, swinging for the fences, they did great. Yeah, unfortunately, in 2021, that was the case. Um, certainly, yeah. safe government bonds, they actually registered their first negative return since 2013. Um, and so, you know, things like GICs, high interest savings accounts, uh, cash and equivalents, you know, they, they paid very little. Um, yeah, so you're looking at, say, 1% returns on those, and yet inflation is running almost five. So you're at your, your real return was negative 4%, even if you made 1%. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, for those, you know, I feel for those conservative clients, um, you know, the the ones that are maybe risk adverse, because, um, you know, it was a tough market for them to try and make returns. And, it, and it's hard when you're seeing, you know, on the other side of the coin, the, the returns that came through. So I think most conservative or moderate clients, you know, they would have had to rely on a portion of the equity to give them a positive rate of return. And, and a lot of them did see that. So, you know, if you did have a, you know, a conservative to conservative moderate kind of client, um, you know, if they did have 25% exposure to equities or 40% exposure to equities, then, you know, overall they did, they did generate a positive rate of return. And this is something we've been saying on the, you know, on the show for years. And as a financial planner, I've been discussing since I ever started 37 years ago, it's, it's about diversifying. And if you have it all, what they consider safe, you're actually risky because you're not going to get the performance and you're certainly not going to beat inflation. And then you even have negative years too. So you saw a lot of the pension fund managers moving away from the fixed income last year and getting into equities a bit more because they're risk averse too. They want to get the best return with the least amount of risk. Bonds were risky in 2021, as it turns out. Mm. Yeah. Another theme that we saw in 2021 was um, related to climate change. I think that that continues to be front and center in many investors' minds. Um, You know, we've seen it on uh, different angles of this, you know, from a political or from a government perspective. I mean, we've seen it with elections. It's been a a hot topic item Um, in the U.S. uh, Biden's, you know, brought out a you know, a, a platform on spending a tremendous amount of money into uh, renewable energy. And um, so we're seeing that on the one side, on the business side, you know, you're seeing companies that are coming out with incredibly innovative products. Um, you know, all of these businesses are, or many of these businesses are aiming to be carbon neutral. This is a, was a huge topic in 2021. And on the investor side of it, you know, they're demanding it now. They're demanding that companies um, work towards being carbon neutral. Um, you know, there's something called ESG that we use, uh, which is environmental, social, and governance issues. Um, and so all of these financial uh, tools like Bloomberg or Thomson Reuters or, uh, you know, uh, all even Yahoo Finance, for that matter, these days, they're all starting to screen for ESG scores um, for these companies. So they're you, it's it's gotten to the point now where investors are demanding that the companies are aligning with their their beliefs. And so certainly, uh, climate change has been a, a huge one. Yeah, been a yeah. huge one. And the interesting thing about that is governments can talk about doing things about climate change, but money talks. 
So if fund managers saying, okay, we're not going to buy these particular stocks unless you get your act in order, climate and social governance, then people, you know, the companies actually listen in this case. Mm. Totally agree with you, Don. I think it's one of those things, right? Where when you want to make change, um, you need people coming from all different angles. And I think we're, we're starting to see that, which is great. So then you're looking at asset class performance um, last year. It was a, it went everywhere. And who would have thought things like cryptocurrency was the best performing asset? That didn't even exist before. That wasn't even an asset class, you know, 10 years ago. And here's the top performing asset class. And, uh, you know, remarkable on where you can put money. And I know there's some funds now, like I said, there's um, Bitcoin funds or crypto funds now, which didn't exist. So talk about, you know, it, it, diversification will even include that down the road, I'm sure. But I know we have to take a break here. And, you know, uh, once you get to a point where you have actors like Matt Damon on TV promoting cryptocurrency, I mean, that's going to take it to a whole <laughs> different level. It's uh, I saw that the other night and I couldn't believe it. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Scott Clues Hunt. You can find out more at DonFox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here we're coming right back you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 chml we are planning your financial future i'm scott thompson don fox is here from fox group private wealth management you can find out more at donfox.net he has brought with him scott clues hunt and you can call both of them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're trying to put a bow on last year and, and most <laughs> would say throw it out the door. Uh, what are you guys looking at? Well, as we look at the asset class performance from 2021, I think where we left off was we were <laughs> introducing or talking about Bitcoin. And um, yeah, what we saw was you know Bitcoin increased 59.8% on the year. Um, now that wasn't without volatility. And, um, you know, certainly that's, that always needs to be considered. For example, like this year alone, Bitcoin is now off 16% to start, to start the year. So um, certainly we've had lots of questions on uh, cryptocurrencies. And um, I think what Dom was saying was earlier was, you know, it is getting a little bit easier for clients to get access to things like Bitcoin. Um, they can be purchased, you know, through securities like ETFs. Um, whereas in the past, you know, it, it took a, um, in the past, it took, uh, you know, setting up a wallet and a lot more things to, to get organized in that front. Excellent. Now you're in, and then on top of that, uh, things such that were, they're giving away oil in 2020, if I remember, it was actually negative pricing. You could actually, they paid you to take the oil away. And all of a sudden, what happened in oil in 2020, 2021? You know, Don, it's, it's remarkable. I, I actually remember my phone blew up in um, in the summer last year, right around the time that WTI crude future contracts went negative. There was literally tankers of oil waiting on the water and nowhere to put it. There was, there was that much oil just sitting there. Um, they, and this they, is they, in mid 2020, correct? They, yeah, they couldn't store it anywhere. They right. could, it was just sitting, so the, the price you know, fell significantly. 
And, you know, here we are later, you know, uh, oil was trading at $86 a barrel today, uh, the highest level since 2014. So, and, and, you know, back then we, you know, we had prices just over a hundred dollars a barrel. And uh, so, yeah, what a remarkable recovery uh, on that front. And so, you know, WTA crude is, was up 56% as a result of that. And, Unbel- and he- unbelievable. And they couldn't give the stuff away in 2020. And this is why it is a guessing game. You, you have to diversify to try to take a bet. You might as well go to Vegas if you're going to try to do this stuff. So, and then you look at, uh, say, some of those um, darlings of 2020 that were your, your state home stocks, if you will, and they didn't fare so well in 2021. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another area in terms of uh, classes uh, was real estate. You know, real estate was up 30, the the Dow Jones real estate index was up 35% last year. And, you know, real estate was a tough one um, because on one, on one side of the coin, we know uh, during inflationary periods, real estate tends to do well. And, and we've seen that this, you know, this year uh, as individual homeowners, we've seen the prices of uh, houses go up, but, you know, sometimes with the REITs, you know, there was a little bit of concern in late 2020 with the whole transition of work from home, you know, would REITs like real estate investment trusts, you know, that they have these big buildings and companies are leasing them, you know, would people go more work from home and then would there be less demand for that rental income? So, that one surprised me in some ways because um, a part of the coin you had COVID concerns about changing, you know, demographics and how the workforce would work going forward. But then on the flip side, you know, hard assets did do well in an inflationary period, but it was resilient and, uh, you know, real estate did really well in 2021. In regard to, in regard to staying at home, what does that mean, Scott, for those big buildings and and office towers and such? Will we see them fill back up or are we, we, are we on a new, uh, a new uh, trajectory here? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't, I don't have the answer to that, but you know, maybe it seems like we're working towards a hybrid world. Right. And so, you know, maybe there's, maybe it's a happy median somewhere in between. You know, uh, I think that it, it, cha- it seems to change every six months. I know even in my role, you know, we've had discussions about, you know, how much should it be from home and how much should it be in the office? Um, so I think everybody's kind of going through that. And, you know, with we, we've been we've been getting these lockdowns every so often. So it kind of like puts the conversation on hold again for another six months. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. And then we ramp up again and then we're back into lockdown. So well, it's, it's been tough to kind of gauge that. Yeah. If one thing that has come through, it seems to be loud and clear, is the mental health of the people at home. Yeah. And it hasn't done well working from home. They, they, knew they need that interaction. And again, I going to your point, Scott, going to a hybrid model might accomplish both things. So, you know, happy workforce, less stress, working from home is not always the answer, yet it can be part of the answer. And so real estate has done well, assumingly that they're gonna, it's going to be a hybrid and people will be coming back to some form anyway. Yes. Yeah, All right, absolutely. we are we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management, along with Scott Clues Hunt. You can find out more at donfox.net, or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, 
The guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Scott Clues-Hunt are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're wrapping up the old year and bringing in the new here. Yeah, absolutely. In 2021, you basically had a lot of things that didn't do well in 2020, all of a sudden do great in 2021. And now we're here, you know, the volatility of those assets are amazing too. Things like bank areas that didn't do particularly well in 2020, we're end up doing pretty darn good in 2021. And so where do we go now? And I always say, you know, diversification, the definition is you'll never make a killing, but you'll never get killed. Mm. And I look at some of these and I look at one particular fund as an example. Um, and a client brought this to my attention that the innovators fund from, I think it was Fidelity, actually, was in the top 2% of all funds in 2021, uh, sorry, 2020. Then all of a sudden it's in the bottom 2% of all funds in 2021. That's the kind of volatility. And they're trying to tell me that this is moderate or even moderate conservative, moderate aggressive. This is aggressive, period. These was a certain sector. And so the idea of trying to guess sectors does not work. But at the same token, I think, Scott, you can add some clarity based on what we're seeing now, higher inflation, uh, energy prices up, uh, potential interest rates rising. What's going to happen in 2022, Scott? Yeah, well, I mean, I think one thing that we've seen certainly in the last couple of months is we've, we've definitely seen a rotation um, and, you know, certainly a rotation from growth oriented uh, stocks to value oriented stocks. And you mentioned the banks uh, doing well. And, you know, I, I think what the market has been pricing in recently is, you know, they've been really focused on companies that um, deliver earnings, period. Right. So, a lot of those speculative names in 2021 uh, that had a good growth story, um, you know, maybe future revenue, but are difficult are difficult to price in terms of intrinsic value because maybe they don't have earnings or you know they're they're growing at an expense you know a high rate. Those are the kind of stocks that have been have been correcting or coming off recently. Um, whereas the dependable companies with reliable dividends have been the stocks that have been performing better, and I think you know, this is pricing in sort of this inflationary period that we're going through. Uh, I think this is impacting that because, you know, when you're a growth company, you know, if, if you, you do get into a rising rate environment, then, you know, the cost of borrowing gets more expensive and it, it gets harder to expand, right? So we're, we're seeing that. Um, so that's certainly one theme um, that we're seeing in terms of the stocks. Um, second to that, uh, you know, fixed income. I, uh, you know, it, we we talked about how overall fixed income had a negative period uh, during 2021. Um, I think you know we're not very optimistic going into 2022. You know, with the rising rate environment, it's going to be very difficult for bonds uh, to to increase in value. So I think that that's something that we're certainly looking at that trend continuing. Um, it'll be interesting to see some of the other sectors, if they can uh, turn things around, things like gold and silver, which had poor years in 2021. Um, if real interest rates can rise, um, you know, maybe they will benefit uh, going forward. So those are some of the themes that we're seeing, but certainly um, 
you know, those are, those are some of the things we're looking out for. So certainly inflation, COVID variants uh, are certainly two of the hot topic items coming into 2022. Right. And, and diversifying, you know, there's so many parts of a diversified portfolio. I know when we go through a client situation, Scott, you're saying, okay, they've got too much in one sector. They have too much in one country. They have too much in say growth or value. They have too much in small cap or large cap. And you know, just to, for the listener's sake, you know, what's the difference of value and growth? Yeah, you know, there's, I think there's lots of ways that you could define that. But when I think of a growth company, I think of a company that's trying to grow rapidly when they have, uh, if they make money, they're going to try and reinvest it into the business. Maybe they'll go for another acquisition. They'll put it into research. You know, they're trying to grow the company more of a value stock. You know, I think of a company that, you know, some of that money that they, or those profits that they earn, they're going to pay back to their investors. So you're going to see higher dividend rates. And sometimes it's also about the sectors that they're in as well. You know, um, when I think of growth stocks, I think of technology, you know, when I think of value stocks, I might be thinking of, you know, defensive stocks or consumer staples or bank stocks, things along those lines. And yeah, nice and safe. And, and you know what, um, Franklin Templeton puts out this great chart every year and it's called Why Diversify. And, and you know, Google Franklin Templeton, Why Diversify, and you'll get a great little outlook of why people need to diversify. In fact, one of his lines are, the only investors that shouldn't diversify are those that are right 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he's got these charts that just show year by year which were the best sectors. And they just move around all over the place. And what was hot one year is now a dog the next year. And, and so it's, it's so easy to jump on the flavor of the month or the flavor of the year. But at the end of the day, diversification um, is key. And Scott, if you had a, anything to tell the listeners with your experience, why should they diversify? Well, I, I, to be honest, on most of the time, it's because you know I, I see these statements where people have just concentrated in one area. And, um, you know, occasionally it'll work out, right? Like they'll, they'll be in the right stock or the right, you know, the right sector at the right time. But, you know, for, for all those times that we see one of those statements, I see 10 of the other and, <laughs> and, the, and those others are, you know, they just got caught in, you know, an energy portfolio. And we, we talk about energy, how much it's up, but I don't know a lot of clients, Don, that made a lot of money in energy in the last 10 years despite well, I think those big returns that we just talked about, you know, most of the statements I saw, you know, they were down significantly 70, 70% in these energy stocks. You know, I think, I think of Crescent point energy is a big one that all oh, so many clients lost money on, you know, just, and, and, you know, years later, you know, are they, are they further ahead? You know, I'm not yeah. sure even, even with WTI crude at $87 a barrel, you know, you look at a, a stable stock like Suncor and it's not trading as high as it was, you know, five years ago. So at the end of the day, if you're going to win once and lose 10 times, I think yeah. diversification works. There's a good example right there. Uh, we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Scott Clues Hunt have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management. 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Great show. Have yourself a great week. Stay warm. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, guys. 
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.